Too often small businesses are ignored in the realm of financial services. Leave it to Simon Reeder, the CEO of Peng, to deliver a payments revolution right to the doorstep of small business entrepreneurs and artisans. And while doing it, rewriting the script on what payments can be. How is he going to do it? To find out, the two Ds will talk to him and chat it through here on Dave and Darm Demystify. From the studios of NMD Plus in the UK and US comes the Dave and Darm Demystify show. Dumb demystify show, making sense of the world of fintech and digital finance. Sit back and listen as the two Ds take a subject and chat it through to make it clearer and easier to understand. And now, here are your hosts, Dave Wallace and Dar Mystery. Demystify. Welcome everybody to the Dave and Dumb Demystify show. And you might have thought that payments have been demystified totally and everything that can be done about payments has probably been done right but no actually we found simon reader from peng who's going to tell us what they're doing differently in the payment space and i have to say i found this really fascinating so simon quick intro to yourself and tell us a bit about what you're doing thank you very much guys good to see you both so i'm simon reader from peng and peng is a mobile payments application underwritten by open banking account-to-account payments initiation service. We founded ourselves last year, but it's quite an interesting story. So if you let me go into a little bit of history. Sure. We were partners in a company called EcoSpend. We still are considered the largest open finance company in the UK. And in 2020, they entered the tender for HMRC's open banking so that customers could submit PAYE and VAT online using open banking. So you wouldn't have to use your credit cards, wouldn't have to be direct debits. And so they entered into, this was the premier open banking event in the UK in 2020. Open banking being a very nascent form of technology, legislated only in 2018. And in December, EcoSpend were awarded the tender. And James Cabrera, who's the co-founder of Peng, and who you both know, and also comes from a background M-Pesa in Kenya was exposed to the phenomenon of payments on mobile, cardless, took Pesa Flash to his bank in Burundi. And we were sitting back going, well, this is very interesting. This is a model that potentially has legs in the mainstream. So we watched as millions and then hundreds of millions of pounds started being processed via HMRC through open banking, through the HMRC portal. And we saw in June last year, Shortly before they hit the billion mark, we said, well, okay, if it's processing this without a single customer transaction issue, then it's reliable and we're going to mainstream it. So all we've done, all paying is essentially is the mainstreaming of a reliable account-to-account payment technology. And we've built the brand around specifically attracting small businesses. We want to give the opportunity to small businesses to reduce their transaction fees, which is something you'll hear 
pretty often. And we also want to create an environment where open finance is given the chance to thrive. For those who may not completely understand the payment side of open banking, like in your example of the HMRC, that's effectively a link to your bank account, which opens up and you make the payment from within your bank account and then it closes it down. The reason I'm saying that is because I think everybody or most people will have had some sort of experience where they've used open banking, but it's sort of the other way around. So getting information out of their bank account into another third party application rather than on the payment side. Sure. So there are two sides to it. There's the account information service, the data, and then the payment initiation service. And what we're dealing with here on the open banking feature is payment initiation. I mean, I guess the payment side isn't something which is very common. I actually used American Express the other day to pay a bill and I actually used the payment side of open bank. And that was the first time that I'd sort of seen a commercial application. So one of the things I wonder is, are people ready for this? Because it's a slightly different way of doing payments, isn't it? Yeah, and it's a very good question. And I think, yes, if you look at the most recent compliance study that was published in January, we've seen an extraordinary rise in open banking's popularity. And much of it is down to the HMRC tender. We have processed close to three billion pounds today. Wow. And I'm sorry I keep going back to it, but that is our base model that we are taking this tech and we are mainstreaming it. I'm sure the government is very keen. The attraction of open banking is not just the reduction of transaction fees. You've got a safety issue too. You've got the apparatus, which is essentially a bank channel. You're using bank grade security to guard your transactions. And then with 5G, you're not gonna have any connectivity issues that could potentially impede upon your transaction come a few years, sorry, a few months at this rate. Solomon, in terms of reduced fees, this is the interchange fee. So normally, right, and then apologies if I'm teaching people to suck eggs a little bit, but in the old world, you know, I as a merchant could be with NatWest. You come in as a customer and your bank is Lloyd's Bank. And so you present me my card. It goes through a reader. It goes off to, let's say, Visa, who say, right, okay, I know how to talk to your bank and I know how to talk to the merchant's bank, and I'm going to facilitate this transaction. So they take, you know, X percent cut of the money. And the problem for the merchants is when you do lots of these payments, and especially small ones, they're taking a cut, which adds up to a lot of money, right? Now, in open banking, what they're doing is the retailers basically going to the customer's bank and saying, give me this money, as long as Darmish validates himself, right? So that's where there is a saving because it's not necessarily going off to Visa to do this or MasterCard or American Express. But is there any fees at all involved? Is it a reduced or is it a free thing? Because debit card payments are free typically, right? Yes. Technically, we are a third party provider that is providing the service to the customer that is giving them the benefits. And the origins of open banking and why it's here is essentially to make banks more competitive, to justify their monthly management fees. The idea that you could provide this service and challenge a very established market by providing free transactions, okay? The transactions cost nothing. Where we as a business make our money is that we offer subscription models. So to use the open banking apparatus that we apply to paying, 
you pay a monthly fee. There's a free option, but those are the ways that companies like ours generate. When you describe apparatus, you know, is that QR code? Correct. Because again, I go back to, we live in a world where the transactional level for a consumer is really easy because everything is pretty much tap and go and money's disappearing and it's very frictionless. And this experience is slightly different because it involves opening up to your bank account, doesn't it? Could you just talk through the apparatus and the kind of process for people to understand? Sure. We are more a payment initiation service than a payment company because we don't hold any cash. We perform a completely different function to Stripe or a Square. We allow the user via their consent to access a service which is 100% safe, as safe as can be. We don't get any of the login information. As a payment initiative, it is very, very safe. It can't be safer. But we, with the customer's consent, go into the bank account and then the customer is allowed to use us to link their bank account to the merchant. So if I take an analogy, what you're doing is like WhatsApp, whereas what sum up and other people are doing is a bit more like SMS texting, right? Like you had to have a phone, you had to know their number and you had to text them, etc. And they get it at some point. And it's the old way of doing things. The new way, you don't need a card anymore. You just need to turn up, say that you want to pay them, they direct you to your bank. And it's all, you know, apparatus free kind of apart from one's phone yeah 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 and by the way thank you very much that was very flattering for you to call us whatsapp <laughs> when you're worth x million <laughs> we want to share yeah. <laughs> yes i mean one of the things that i guess i'm wondering is if you do go via american express there is some consumer protection so you talk about this being 100 percent safe but the card issuers have had to create value add around what they do from a protection point. Are people at kind of the mercy of their banks as part of this process? Or is this something you, you're looking to do in terms of the added value you can bring as well? Well, certainly there's that, Dave. But in terms of the safety as it stands, as it exists at that point, that's people trusting their bank. And bank technology, safety technology, is generally considered to be the premium and you hear about British Airways being breached, you hear about Marriott being breached, but yeah. very rarely do you hear about a bank going down. The more time goes on, the more your bank is involved in every shopping decision you make. So, you know, you're kind of having to validate through codes and, I mean, I bank with HSBC, but often, you know, you actually have to go and validate a transaction within the app itself. So, Banks are pushing people to use the apparatus of the bank itself to validate stuff. So, you know, it's not a massive move to go into using that apparatus from a payments point of view. Correct. And it's a very good point. You know, when we started talking, when I met you guys last year, James introduced us, what we were doing at the time is that we were blooding paying essentially on the hardest of industries, which we considered at the time the London taxi cab, because it's so quick. Another benefit, which obviously really appeals to small business owners, and we discovered during the taxi app trials last year, is that payment is instant. There are no delays. So instead of waiting the three, five, up to seven days sometimes, you get no delay cash. Okay, um, Taxis are very difficult because the speed involved and putting the phone as they're sitting in the back, 
there were those sorts of challenges. But we also extended the research into people waiting at taxi ranks. And we did a study at Paddington. And we discovered, you know, that people would be happier to wait a bit longer, not just a tap on the phone, which is a standard credit card transaction. But they might be content to wait around a couple of moments more to ensure that, firstly, this transaction benefits the small business owner, and secondly, that it's safe. And those are the two features that we think a lot of small businesses are attracted to moving forward. Going back to the HMRC experience, I mean, is that mostly businesses paying VAT or is that consumers as well? Everyone, consumers and businesses. Wow. So when you're looking at paying, you talk about targeting the small businesses as your customers, but is that sort of as a B2B or B2C proposition? Taxi drivers is firmly B2C, isn't it? Correct. And I guess if you're doing that, I mean, are you having to educate them about what this is all about? Because it is a new idea, isn't it? Completely. Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I'd like to think that it's a blend of B2B and B2C. But as I said, small businesses always listen. If you can catch them on the idea that you're going to reduce their transaction fees. They have endured a massive pandemic where they were not beneficiaries of this massive upward transfer of wealth. And they want to get back onto a level playing field and are looking to make value decisions when it comes to transactions. I think that the education aspect of that, that's very interesting. We want to create a social angle to this that purely deals upon the benefits of open banking that we can go into schools and universities with informative means. What benefits does this bring to the young entrepreneur who wants to start selling trainers from his university dorm? Okay, he doesn't have to pay exorbitant transaction fees. He is guaranteed a safe transaction means, and this is a reliable technology. And we think those three things are are points that we want to emphasize going forward. You talked about Impesa before, and I guess just pre-pandemic, nothing to do with me, I visited Shenzhen, and you kind of realize that so much is done via kind of QR code payments on phones. So you can see very quickly how it can become part of the way people just do business. I live in a small town, and I can really imagine shopkeepers, they're very low-margin businesses. This could be a major thing for them. So part of that is how do you scale up very quickly? How do you sort of stay ahead of your potential competition as well? Because open bank is open, isn't it? That's a good question. We think that we have the right technology for scale. Uh, The condition of our APIs is premium. It's really good. Uh, It was one of the reasons why EcoSpend were awarded the HMRC tender. And once word gets around with some clever marketing in exactly the environments you're talking about, Dave, small business owners in villages outside of London. That's a really, really key market for us. Once word gets around that you've got value coming from something like this, hopefully it's doubles and triples. What I'm wondering is, I mean, open banking, the white paper came out 2014. The specs for the APIs were about 2016, etc. The big banks, you know, the big eight first had to do their implementations. It became legislation, you know, 2018. But since then, that's like four years. And account initiation was in from the beginning. It's not like recurring payments, which is a new thing. This was in from the beginning. So why haven't we seen more people like you already? It's a good question, Dom. It's an imprecise artist. It's very difficult to get right. And our technology was born of the fact that 
EcoSpend, prior to going into open banking, had built 60% of the Turkish market's core banking systems. Okay, that was one. It built a whole lot more for Northern and Western European banks. But that level of detail gave it the tech nous to be able to lead the pack on this, which was obviously acknowledged by HMRC. So you had an unfair advantage with technology, which helped you to win the HMRC bid, which gave you scale in transactions. So you're a front runner in the pack, really. Well, thank you very much again for your second compliment. (laughs) Yeah. We'd hope so. And I think that we've got to listen to what small businesses want. I mean, that's what James and I built Peng on, is that we were answering a call to lower transaction fees and to build a community around the benefits of open banking and open finance. And ultimately, we're going to grow Peng to incorporate more small business-centric products, more small business-centric integrations um, into a sort of wallet profile. But that's down the line. I think the app itself is so easy to use, right? And that's the key thing because the consumer is just using their own phone, right? And this goes back to your trust thing, Dave, because you're using your phone instead of giving, let's say, a card, which could be swiped into a malicious machine and then they do the transaction. That's what's been happening with cards. So cards have inherently been insecure. Checks forward signatures left, right, and center. So this actually is a much more secure mechanism than we've had in the past because it's your own device with your own bank that you're interacting with. And I think because it opens up your own bank, we all kind of trust our banks. Yeah. Because as you say, Simon, so far, they've been pretty protective around stuff. It's really interesting. I mean, I think it's a really positive move. You know, I still wonder about it's so easy to pay with a card as well, though. That's the thing which I still wonder about. It's fractions of a second to tap your card. But as this sort of comes on and more and more businesses adopt it, I think people, like in a shop, if you're not in a hurry, what's the difference between spending 10 seconds rather than one second on something? Sure. And I think as we broaden our appeal and sharpen it, we're looking also at guys that are artisans, you know, guys running a plumbing business, and he's going to go to the owner and says, I don't want to see your cash. I don't want you to try and write me a check. Just here's this QR code. We're just about to go into summer fair season here in the UK, and you just talk about artisans. You know, there's going to be tents full of people who this is going to be a brilliant thing for them because, I mean, they're all using Stripe and Square and all the other bits and pieces. That's another advantage. You've been to these fairs, and there's queues of people because they've got one machine. Yeah. Poor board plan. Hold on. We'll take this transaction in the next half an hour. And there's like 20 people yeah, waiting. No, no, Whereas in your solution, people can make these payments simultaneously. They're not waiting for the other guy to, you know, give them a machine, are they? Absolutely. And you can hold the phone up. You can send via WhatsApp, text, email. It's neat. The transaction process for a small business owner is neat. And it's clear. And that's, I think, what they're looking for. Do you have demos online that people can go and have a look at? We do. We have pengpay.io is our website. And we have a video on the landing page, which people can have a look at and watch the transaction process and see the user journey. Fabulous. Well, listen, Simon, it's been great to understand a bit more about Peng. Thank you so much. I mean, it sounds like a really, really super interesting initiative, which I think is a positive move for 
businesses and consumers. So it's been great to have you. Thank you very much. Fantastic. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to Dave and Dan Demystify. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault on SoundCloud. Be sure to connect with Dave Wallace and Darmish Mystery on LinkedIn. And until next time, ciao and have a marvellous week. The Dave and Darm Demystify Show is a production of NMD Plus, London, Chicago and Austin, Texas.